Well, if you haven't figured it out by now, there is a war on men. You can see this with the rise of Jordan Peterson and in the Christian space with folks like Michael Foster. Um, and you're not even really allowed to talk about it, but we talk about it pretty often on this podcast. We're going to go there again. We've got Dr. Brian Christine coming in studio. Uh, he is a urological surgeon and men's health specialist and also ran for state Senate here in the state of Alabama. He's going to be talking to us about these issues, how it's societal, cultural issues in the war on men, and also some physical issues that we need to really be thinking about as men. You don't want to miss out. We have an incredible culture here in the state of Alabama, but our politics and public policy don't reflect the people of Alabama. Media drives culture. Culture is what drives politics and public policy. Welcome, everyone, to 1819 News, the podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Brian Dawson, CEO of 1819 News and host of this here podcast. Today, I'm joined by a good friend of mine, a guy that I've gotten to know pretty well over the last year, uh, Dr. Brian Christine. Brian, thanks so much for joining us. No, I'm excited to be here, Brian. I really appreciate the opportunity. I think what 1819 News is doing is invaluable to the state of Alabama and to the country at large. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. Blushing under my beard. <laughs> I can't tell. <laughs> so um, just to kind of tee it up for you guys today, um, we're going to be talking about kind of the war on men, um, the war on manhood, and all the challenges that men have facing them uh, in our society. Some of it's health, some of it's societal, some of it's cultural, some of it's communism. Um, there's all these different things that play into it. And so Dr. Brian Christine is a urologic surgeon who specializes in men's health. And right. so thought he would be able to speak into this uh, really, really well. Uh, he went to med medical school at Emory Medical School in Atlanta and did his urology training uh, at UAB right here in the ham yep. in Birmingham. And so uh, I think this is a really interesting subject. And I think it's a subject that is um, kind of, I wouldn't say it's become all the rage or anything like that, but it seems to be on the forefront of a lot of people's minds. I was literally driving up here um, to do this podcast and Jeff poor, uh, my executive editor who also has a radio show in uh, mobile. He calls me and says, Hey, uh, we're going to be, <clears throat> we're going to be doing a pot or I want you to come on the radio. I'm like, well, what are we talking about? You know, yeah. you know, give me a heads up because we're gonna be talking about manhood. I'm like, well, that's interesting. I'm going to do a podcast on this exact subject. And as I've told my listeners, you know, repeatedly over and over and over, when we started 1819 News, the podcast, what this was supposed to be was um, a news and culture podcast. Like, you know, uh, this person got elected. Hey, these people are corrupt or just news. And then we'll bring on a country music singer uh, or someone to talk about their barbecue restaurant or something like that. Just kind of news and culture. But the pursuit of 1819 News is a free and flourishing Alabama. That's mm -hmm. our goal. That's what we want. That's our desire is to see a free and flourishing Alabama. And in our pursuit of that, we figure out what are the obstacles of a free and flourishing Alabama. And obviously, political corruption is rampant. The two things we we does best here in Alabama is foosball. We really get the football <laughs> and political corruption. We're, we're at the top of that list, too. Well, when you said when you said we'll talk about maybe someone's elected, someone's corrupt. Oftentimes, it's someone's elected and they're corrupt. And they're corrupt. It's, it's kind of like why they got elected. It's exactly right. Oh, boy. So, uh but yeah, so that that is our hope um, is you know to 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 pursue a free and flourishing Alabama. And as as we pursued that and figuring out what it is, we would always ask the question. No matter who we had on, we had you know, pastors on, business people on, all kinds of different people. Say, what do you think is the biggest problem in Alabama, and and even what's the biggest problem in our country? What's the biggest problem we're facing? And that without fail, they would say fathers or manhood or pastors or some type of a, a deal where there is either 
absent abdicating or effeminate men in the role of father or pastor or leader or politician. Yep. Right. Any of these roles where men, uh, you know, not to say that women can't be politicians, but specifically these places that, that require courage um, and, and historically has been male courage um, spe- specifically with pastor and, and father <laughs> like, but anyway, those, those offices, there's not courage and diligence that there's, there's absence, abdication and effeminacy. And so as that's come up, it's really sprung the conversation of um, why is this happening? And so you and I have talked about, and, and what's really interesting is that Jordan Peterson, who is not a, he might be a Christian now. It looks like he's on his way sure. to, to move in that direction. But before he was really even moving headlong in that direction, he's in Canada. They're talking about all this gender ridiculousness and pronouns and he's not even the most masculine guy, right? He's not like, you know, the... the it's not like us. Yeah, yeah. He's like, rrr, 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 rrr. <laughs> like us. Yeah, that's right. We got to get your beard going in the conversation. <laughs> yeah. You know, he's not liver king or anything like that, running around throwing <laughs> spears king. at fish or anything. But he's, um, he, he in a situation where they, where ridiculousness was thrust upon him, he said, no, we're not doing it. And he spoke up and he spoke up with courage. And then he wrote books about the ridiculousness of it that's all. Right. And then... What happened is he had courage, and then all the men like across the world flocked to him because he showed courage. And then he kind of realized the epidemic that was, and he wrote his first book. I think his big book was you know Twelve Rules for Men or something like that, mm-hmm. Twelve Rules for Life or something. And it just gave basic instructions on how to be a man. And what we realized is, you know, it used to be fathers that would teach their sons basic rules to be men. I'm sure your father taught you. I've heard some incredible stories about your father and, and met your brother and. Um, but that's not happening anymore. The family is breaking down. Fathers are not spending the time to transfer these things down to their sons. And so what you have is a society filled with what is uh, essentially functionally bastards that, that right. don't have that. So right. um, <clears throat> I wanted to talk to you about um, we'll begin in the health realm and then we can move into societal. Um, what are some of the things that you see? Um, and feel free to talk about whatever before we dive in. Uh, if you've got some preliminary thoughts that you want to go into. But where I'll begin is. From a, a health perspective, so not only do we live in a misandric society, so we hear misogyny all the time. Misogyny mm-hmm. is woman-hating. Misandry is, or misandric society, is a society that hates men. There's a war on men. Uh, it's hard to be a man. Um, we're, we're, we're derided as toxic. Masculinity is toxic. We don't want men uh, with rough edges because they have the propensity of violence, and that scares us. You know, And, and I want to get more into that later. So we have that stuff working against us, but, but we also have, like, physical things working against us within health and low testosterone and all of these type of things. So any preliminary thoughts, then we'll dive into that. Yeah, I think so. I mean, there was a, there was a really good book, a, a great book that was just written a few years ago by a man named Rod Dreher. Okay. And the, mm-hmm. and the title of that book is live not by lies. And the subtitle is a manual for Christian descent. Okay. The, the main title live not by lies, I think is so important. Now what he was looking at really was the fact that he he had interviewed individuals who grew up behind the Iron Curtain, individuals who grew up in Soviet Russia or the Mm -hmm. Eastern Bloc countries. Uh, And they said what we saw happening then, okay, with their version in terms of the communists or even the Nazis in Poland, their cancel culture, we're seeing that happen now. That's the focus of his book. But the title is great because what the left wants us to do now in the realm of manhood and masculinity, they want us to live by lies. Yep. And I think we have to absolutely be strong and say, we're not going to live by lies. Listen, you know me, I have very little use 
or men or women who say, well, we have to accommodate mm. the other side. We have to work behind the scenes and, and reason. And we're, and we're consensus builder. I'm, like, I'm a consensus builder. Yeah. I'm not a fight. We have to be winsome. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that doesn't work. It doesn't work at all. And part of and part of what we have to do is to say we will not live by lies. And, and the subject today is we will not live by the lie that there is no difference between men and women. We will mm, not preach. Li- we will not live by the lie that there is something true, that there is really something called, or there is something real in toxic masculinity. Yeah. We're not going to live by the lie that Genesis one twenty seven is not correct and true and good. Yeah. And, and I think, I think, I think when we say we are not going to live by those lies, if we make that, if we make that commitment, that's how we fight this fight. Yeah. Amen. I think that's great. And <clears throat> that really does get into, and, and I talked about that on the, the radio interview this morning, I didn't have any notes together. I'm just like firing, you know, off the top of my head, driving down the road. <laughs> but hopefully it went well. I'll have to go back and listen to it. But that's interesting. I did not know that Rod Dreher's book was, was I've, I've heard of it. I've, I've Excellent. heard people sing praises of it. I didn't realize that it was a look behind the Soviet curtain and, and what was going on there. And so literally on the radio this morning on Jeff Poor's show, uh, I, I talked about that. I said, look, this is the entire, everything that we're suffering from, everything from the race riots with George Floyd, um, the election chicanery that's been going on in, in 2020, uh, COVID, all this stuff is gets rooted back to communism. I talk about this. This is another thing that comes up in just about every episode is the, the communist long march through the institutions. Mm-hmm. And I'm reading a book by J. Edgar Hoover right now called Masters of Deceit. The other big one to read uh, is The Naked Communist. Yes. And then the other one other than that <laughs> is... None dare call it treason. And these are all three books that really describe the communist, like beginning with Marx. And so they describe Marx and Marx was basically just this disgusting, vile human being who he married this lady and she wasn't exactly, you know, she's kind of a gross person too. They had kids and he would just lay on the couch and sleep for like two weeks straight. And then he would get up and he would write you know, whenever he felt inspired and then he would lay back down on the couch and that's all he did is an absolute useless human being. See, if he was alive now, he would, he would lay on the couch and then he'd do a podcast every now and yes, again. That's right. <laughs> oh man. The Karl Marx podcast. Jeez. So he, he, he wrote when he was inspired and then he would just do that over and over and, and he didn't make money. He didn't have a job and he basically bummed off one of his friends that was wealthy and he's writing all this stuff. And then those writings were taken by Lenin and inspired Lenin, and Lenin basically put boots to Marx's thought, right? And that's the whole Marxism-Leninism thing. Mm-hmm. Lenin t- took it and turned it into a revolution, and he took those thoughts, and then he created an actual revolutionary movement, and then he created the Bolshevik Revolution, and then obviously Stalin came on his heels and took over that whole thing. <clears throat> but it was never about Russia, right? Russia was the first thing, but they were immediately talking about world communism. And I think there was some difference among the ranks about, you know, do we quickly move to taking over the world or do we just, you know, try and slowly go from Russia out? And the the prevailing thing that won was, no, we need to move as fast as we can into the West. Uh, they tried to do it by tank, couldn't do it by tank and said, mm-hmm. okay, we're going to have to, we're going to have to take over the West through culture and institution. And so they hijacked our institutions, our higher education, higher learning. Now it's all of our education uh, they hijacked the media, they hijacked Hollywood, they hijacked the Democrat Party now, all these things, and, and they're infiltrating our entire everything through lies, mm-hmm. which is where live not by lies comes in, and they're feeding us lies that are completely antithetical to Scripture. And the 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 kind of separation 
everyone thinks it's communism versus capitalism. Well, no, it's tyranny versus freedom. And tyranny versus freedom is actually good versus evil, right? And, and, and it goes all the way back to the garden. And this is the fight that began in the garden, and we're still fighting it today. Well, that's true. And, and so you think about how does society work best? And this, is, this has been time immemorial. Society works best when you have men and women who are fulfilling their roles, who are doing what they're supposed to do, who are raising children, who are propagating the species, if we will, but starting their families, raising their families, passing on values. That implies that's how society works best. I mean, there's yeah. no question about that. There is no question about that. There's no, and, and I'm an individual who's been divorced. And so I certainly don't wear a halo. And I understand that it's not ideal to have that. But I also understand that the concept of having a mother and a father in the same house or in our, in my situation personally, not ideal, but at least parenting together, yeah. worshiping together, raising children together, a mother and a father raising children together in those, in those roles as man and woman and child and nuclear family. That is how society works best. That is how the world is supposed to be. That fulfills natural and moral law. Yeah. And what's happening now is this, these lies being propagated that there's something wrong with that, that it's not good, that that's evil, and that men like you and me are simply white supremacist, fascist, misogynistic, anti-gay, anti-trans people who aren't worth the time. <clears throat> that's correct. And with that, that... The, what's interesting is that communists know the power of the nuclear family more than Christians. They value that's a really they good value point. family more than Christians, but their value doesn't manifest the way that our value would. Their value is the fact that they understand how powerful it is, so they want to destroy it. That's right. Because literally, the Christian family is a nuclear power plant for culture building and civilization building, or for colonizing. If we really want to, you know, get ourselves canceled. Um, but for the ability to 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 procreate, teach our children, right? And says, be fruitful and multiply and subdue the earth and exercise dominion over it. Go into, <clears throat> that's Genesis. And then you go in, and it's actually repeated throughout Genesis in the Old Testament, that idea of be fruitful and multiply and subdue the earth and exercise dominion over it. But then, you know, teach these things to your children. <clears throat> Deuteronomy 6, teach these things to your children when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. We're always supposed to be teaching our children. And so we're handing down our 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 heritage, we're handing down our traditions, our values, our way of seeing life. We tell, we want our God to be our children's God. And there's a process in which we cultivate that. And it happens within the family and the family attending church, the family attending, you know, being a member of a church. And then, so you have a family that are church members that are now engaging in society. And then you have right. this society that just blossoms and, and, and flourishes. And that's, that's how the West was formed. And the communists know that more than the Christians. And so the communists are coming after our family telling us lies, and we bought these lies hook, line, and sinker in what it sounds like Rod Dreher is saying. No, yeah, I think, again, I think great points to what you're saying. And again, this isn't, I mean, obviously you and I look at this as, as a, our, our lens would be as Christian men, me as yeah. a Catholic Christian, and I think you as even, evangelical, I may be right or wrong. I don't know how proudly I wear that label, but I am a, a reformed evangelical. Yeah, <laughs> I understand. But we look at this as Christian brothers, yeah. and and that doesn't mean that in other parts of the world where perhaps individuals, because we realize obviously not everybody is a Christian, yeah. but that doesn't mean that these that this moral and natural law, the good and the beautiful of a, of a husband and a wife, a father and a mother and children in the nuclear family, that's pervasive throughout all societies. Yep. There's no question about it. But I think it's really interesting what you said is that the that the communist or the socialist, they value the nuclear family more. They don't 
that's a great way to say it. They understand that value. And I think it's right. And again, the lies that are being launched against men, and then we're talking about men. One of the things we're focusing on is men today. The lies being launched about men and the war against masculinity is is something that that I've never, and I'm I'm 58. I'm not the oldest guy in the world, but it's something like I've never seen before. Yeah. No, it's um, it's insidious, and and it's one. It's like a matrix moment, you know, where you you know take the red pill, take the blue pill, right? And then all of a sudden, and, and what's interesting is I just said that, but that's actually what the movement is called, like Jordan Peterson and Joe Rogan yeah. and all these guys. They call it the red pill, and it's like they take the red pill, and all of a sudden they see this war on men. And unfortunately, in the secular um, manosphere, which is the Jordan Peterson space, though Jordan Peterson isn't in the in that negative side of it. They picked it up and um, they've gotten angry about it. And then, you know, and I understand the anger, but it's like, then they begin to really, they think that the solution for, for man hatred is woman hatred. And it's like, no, that's stupid. The solution to this is loving God's law and his ways and his word and what he says and figuring out that no men are valuable and women are valuable. Men have a role. Women have a role. Right. And then, and then just trying to trust God and do what he says and be obedient. And then that's where the flourishing comes in. But instead a lot of them, you know, the secular manosphere has, has turned into, you know, men feeling the weight of the fact that they being lied to and live, living in this, you know, man hating society. Uh, and so they kind of respond with hatred, which is not the right answer. No, no, exactly. I think we have to respond. We have to respond. So I think what we have to do as, as conservatives, and I consider myself a conservative first. Yeah. yeah, I am registered as a Republican. I consider myself a conservative first. As conservatives, we have to realize we have to recognize when there are attacks on our values. Yeah. We have to be able to stand up and loudly and boldly proclaim the truth of those attacks. And we have to stand against those attacks and to stand against those assaults every inch of the way. That's what we have to do. And we do it with, and we listen, we do it as happy warriors. Yeah. Uh, I had a, I was on a radio interview last Friday. Uh, the EWTN, the Eternal Word Television Network, mm-hmm. their radio arm reached out to me because I had written an article, an op-ed about the Equality Act. And yeah. that, that could be subject of another discussion. But the Equality Act is an act that's sitting before Congress, has passed the House. Chuck Schumer in the Senate doesn't want to bring it until he's sure he has the votes. Biden said he would already sign it into law. And basically what the Equality Act does is the Equality Act takes the Civil Rights Act and it adds into it protected classes of gender identity and sexual orientation. It would be a disaster. But but they were asking me about the equality because I'd written this piece on it. Yeah. And I said, what we have to do, we have to be happy warriors as we go forward. So to your point, it's not that we're disparaging the others. It's not that we're making disparaging comments. I guess we can make disparaging comments. It's not that we're attacking just out of, out of uh, being vile or being yeah. mean, but we have to be strong and happy warriors as we confront these lies and confront these attacks on our values. Yeah, I think, um, you know, warrior poets is the the term that I always use for that. And they say a true warrior fights because he loves what's behind him, not because he hates what's in front of him. And so we have evil and wickedness that have that have become pervasive in our society. And while we should be frustrated with it and not like it, we're, what's driving us to fight is not our hatred of that. It's our love of what's good, true, and beautiful that's behind us. Right. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> so let's move into um, what I would consider maybe the health or the chemical component of some of the things that have happened in our society, intentional, unintentional. I don't know. God's judgment. I don't know. Um, but where we are actually having, you know, the epidemic of low testosterone and some of these other things that are causing um, men problems. It's like, so if we don't have enough problems over here, we actually have 
you know, low testosterone uh, is an epidemic. And I'll let you dive into that. That's definitely your specialty. And I'll kind of talk about my experience in that as well. Sure, sure. Well, I think we have to recognize that there, it is a truth yeah. that, that men and women are different. Okay. There's no question. Men and women are different. Again, part of the lies from the left is that there really are minimal differences, that they're really all the same. Men and women are different. If you look at men in general, men tend to be more aggressive. Men tend to be more competitive. Uh, men tend to be more sexually promiscuous. And when I say that, what I mean is by design, as we try to further, further the human race, we tend to be more comfortable if we didn't have our Judeo-Christian values of having multiple partners, for instance. Yeah. Men tend to do that more. Uh, men tend to be more physically aggressive. They tend to be more muscular. So there, women tend to be more interested, for instance, in humans. Men tend to be more, I mean, in people. Men tend to be more interested in things. Women tend to be less physically aggressive. Women tend to, by nature, be more content with monogamy. There's real differences between the two. We have to recognize that. And a big part of that understanding has to be that this is hardwired. Yeah. Okay, this isn't necessarily, this really isn't by choice. This is hardwired in our brains. It's hardwired in our chemistry. When we talk about chemistry, then we come down, you mentioned testosterone. Yeah. Testosterone, of course, is that hormone that men have produced by the testicles. It's the thing that makes men men. It gives yeah. it ten, it gives you and I greater muscle mass than women in general. Yeah. It tends to give us a greater libido or sexually desire or yeah. sexual desire. Testosterone is a really powerful chemical. It acts upon the fetus to make a baby boy a baby boy. For instance, if you have a a, a child, sperm and egg come together, now you have a little human. Uh, Is that in the, how that happens? That's well, yes, I've been exactly. Lying my whole life. Well, you know, I, I, I will. I'll draw you a picture at some point. Please don't. Well, there's certain. Well, and there certainly is the lie now that that's not a human. That's yes. simply a clump of something that's yes. not human. If we listen, if we listen to our pro-abortion yeah. friends. But when when that when that human come when that human is formed in the absence of testosterone, that new little person will become a female. Okay, so if you so the presence of testosterone. Well, that individual will then become a male. So obviously in God's wisdom, he says, okay, this little baby is going to have testosterone influence and is going to become a male. In the absence of testosterone, this little baby becomes a female. The point is that testosterone is a really powerful chemical. It's something, again, that helps make us men. And we know that as we men get older, testosterone levels tend to drop. And that can certainly cause problems in a man's life. And, and, and you mentioned your own experiences. I mean, you and I both understand that. Yeah. Yeah, and what 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 I thought was interesting about the whole thing is so it is such a an epidemic. You want to talk about a real pandemic, one that wasn't created in a lab. Um is is this this low testosterone, you know, epidemic. And so in my studies and what I've learned from um matter of fact, some of the people at your offices and you, um, gut fat and sleep apnea are the are the leading causes of low testosterone. And so um you, you have, say, for instance, you start to get a little bit heavy because you're not working out like you used to when you're in high school or whatever, playing sports. You get a little bit heavier. Uh, you get a little bit heavier and you're, you know, you get more body fat, you get a little bit more body fat. It makes it hard for you to breathe when you sleep because your windpipe starts to close because your tongue's fatter and your mouth is fatter and your windpipe's fatter. And then the, the weight of your chest pushing down and that gives you sleep apnea. Well, when you have sleep apnea, what's essentially happening is that you don't, uh, and by the way, I'm not a doctor. I don't play one on TV, and you can correct me if I'm wrong on anything. <laughs> no, you're uh, not wrong. Yeah. You are not a doctor. Okay. You're, you're yes, right about I, that. <laughs> and I didn't stay in a Holiday Inn Express last <laughs> night. So, um, so you have sleep apnea, and what happens in sleep apnea is that you literally stop breathing You know, every few seconds, and you <gasps> wake up, and that's where snoring and 
you know, this is happening and you wake up. And so you're not getting into what's called REM sleep. And REM sleep is when your body does all kinds of things that your body needs in order to function. And one of those things in REM sleep that happens is the production of testosterone. Is that correct? Am I- yeah. I mean, well, we know that testosterone levels are highest in the AM hours. Yeah. So if it, like when a patient comes in to see me and he says, Brian, he said, I, you know, my, 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 kind of my energy levels are down and I'm having trouble keeping fat off and, yeah. and my, and my desire for intimacy is down. I think my testosterone levels may be low. We always check that blood work. We always check that blood work in the AM hours because <clears throat> testosterone levels are naturally higher in the AM hours and yeah. then drop off in the PM hours. So yes, as we sleep during those AM hours, that's when we're going to have our testosterone levels highest for sure. Okay. I believe it was Eric is the one that was telling me this because mm-hmm. he was asking about my sleep and everything like that. And so, <clears throat> um, so as that's happening, you have sleep apnea and just without the, take the testosterone element out when you're not getting REM sleep, you now have less energy, which means you're going to be more lethargic and you're going to be more sedentary by nature, which means that you're going to get fatter, which means that your sleep apnea is going to get worse, which means you're going to get less REM sleep, which means you're going to have less testosterone. And then based off what Eric said, that, that gut fat is also a cause of low T. I don't know what the relation is there. Well, as, as we get, as we've been, as we get older, our testosterone levels tend to drop. Yeah. Okay. And that's probably the biggest thing that we see as that men get older testosterone levels tend to drop. So for instance, you got a guy who's 20 years old, 18, 19, 20, 25 years old, 30 years old, their testosterone levels tend to be really well maintained. And then as we get older, we start getting into our forties, certainly into our fifties, sixties, seventies, eighties, those levels tend to drop down. When testosterone levels drop, that has a tremendous effect on the human body. It is like if when a woman has gone through menopause and she has hormonal shifts, she's a different animal after that. You and I are a different animal with low testosterone. Yeah. that So low testosterone, how does it manifest itself? Well, difficulty keeping body fat off and keeping lean muscle on. Typically decrease in sexual desire, intimacy desire with our with our yeah. spouse. Uh, you know, just a loss of, of a vigor yeah. and a loss of energy. Those are really common, not sleeping well. Yeah. Those are really common symptoms of low testosterone. So we do tend to see that as men get older. And you're right. It is truly an epidemic. Another one, number one, we're living longer. Yeah. Okay. We're seeing it. There's certainly, can there be societal factors in terms of diet and in terms of environmental factors? There may well be. I got to confess, I'm not sure that that's hundred yeah. percent true, but there's a lot of theories that perhaps there yeah. is. Regardless, there are a lot of men out there who are walking around with suboptimal, whose testosterone levels need to be higher. Yeah. We can treat that. And when we do treat that, it makes a tremendous difference. I'm on testosterone replacement. I'm a 58. Yeah. I'm 58. My <clears throat> testosterone levels are lower. When I give myself testosterone, it makes a tremendous difference in my yeah. life. Yeah. And, and I think where the epidemic is, like, I think, <clears throat> you know, as men got into their 60s and 70s, you expect it to wane. And I think from from my studying, again, not my, my expertise as it is yours, is that it's becoming pervasive in people's 30s and 40s now, where it used to be like 60s and 70s. Um, and, you know, what I don't know, you know, there, there's like you said, there's a lot of theories. A lot of the theories talk about the sedentary, you know, people watching porn and playing video games and eating Cheetos in their room and they're getting fat. I mean, so it could be these things. It could be um, a lot of different things. But <clears throat> what about, you know, some of the things that I've heard and read on this and maybe you can speak to this is some of the chemicals and like, I mean, there's like the plastics and everything we use and it getting into our water. Have you heard any of, of this kind of yeah, stuff? Yeah, I've certainly read articles or I've, I've heard yeah. people talk about that where, if, you know, contagions or toxins, whatever from plastics or from things contaminating yeah. water or food supply, does that have an effect? There might be something to that. I don't know that there's any hard evidence on that, yeah. but there might be something to it. But as you said, you're right about that. I mean, I will see more, it's more free, more commonly 
do I see guys in their 40s coming in with low testosterone than perhaps I saw a decade or 20 years ago yeah. at that age group coming yeah. in? And you mentioned, you mentioned too, about young folks sitting around playing video games, smoking grass. I mean, there really is something to the fact, and I've seen this, and my partner and I have talked about it. I've seen so many guys, young patients in their 20s who will come in who are really affected by, who are really affected in terms of their intimacy, in terms of how they feel about themselves as a man. And invariably, these these people smoke a lot of marijuana. Yeah. They watch a ton of pornography. Yeah. Uh, you know, they engage in a lot of masturbation or self-stimulation yeah. and all that kind of goes together. And that has a tremendously detrimental effect. And yeah. so, again, live not by lies. The lie that, well, a free, you know, lifestyle or a hedonistic lifestyle, or there's nothing wrong with watching pornography, or if you're yeah. doing things where you're where you're engaging in, you know, sexual activities that are that are not traditional, there's nothing wrong. Well, there is something wrong with that. Yeah. The lie is is that doesn't affect young men. It does affect young men. Yeah. Yeah, and you think about it, um, you know, and again, you go back to the the creation mandate or the cultural mandate um, in Genesis, be fruitful and multiply and subdue the earth and exercise dominion over it. We are hardwired to want to procreate and we're hardwired to want to take dominion and subdue the earth, mm-hmm. which are manly things. And he's given us testosterone to do that. And then what happens, and, and this is my biggest problem with marijuana, and it's funny, it never gets talked about in any of the political conversations. And I just watch these people talk about, oh, well, weed is a gateway drug. No, it's not. I smoke weed. I'm fine. And you just like watch these conversations back and forth and no one ever touches on this subject. Yeah. And it is the fact that men who smoke marijuana become more effeminate. They are not, they, whatever it is in a man that makes them want to go out and um, do the things that they would need to be able to be a good husband and a good father so that they can have a relationship with a woman the way that God designed the things that would make them want to go out and build and create and work and, and subdue, right. Uh, and exercise dominion of, um, it's like numbed and brought down. And I would, I would, you know, I'm not a gambling man, but if I was, I would put money on the fact that, that there is a relation between massive amounts of, of marijuana and testosterone levels. I think that is true. I think it yeah. is true. I think there's no question that smoking a lot of marijuana. Now people say, well, Brian, what's a lot of marijuana? I don't smoke marijuana yeah. or have, I don't care. It's not my thing. I don't yeah. like it. I don't want it. But smoking marijuana, smoking a lot of marijuana, definitely can lead to emasculating a man. Yep. It will lead to Boom. lower testosterone. And, and let's call it what it is. Yeah, let's call it what it is. Let's say you smoke a bunch of weed, it's going to be emasculating. Now, yeah. now, with any luck at all, I'll get lots of hate tweets and mail on this yeah. because that means I'm actually getting through to some people. Yeah. But there's no question that that's true. Yeah. And again, when I see these young guys who come in who have these kind of symptoms, do you smoke marijuana? I smoke a ton of weed. Yeah. Do you, do you watch porn? Oh, I watch porn all the time. Yeah. Okay. You know, there's something to it. Yeah. Those are not healthy things to do. And we're finding, you know, in video games and pornography, we're finding um, fake versions of what God has created us to do. He wants us to procreate. Mm-hmm. He gave us a desire to do that. And that's part of be fruitful and multiply. And so we have a drive to do that. Well, then we're numbing that drive with fake imagery on a screen. That's right. And we're watching someone else do it. And, 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 and so that's, that is neutralizing this desire that it's God given us that actually gets us out and actually doing that in society. And then we're playing video games and in the video games we're you know, we're going to war and we're destroying and we're doing these things that are manly, but it's being done in a, in a digital environment. So right. you're, you're not really procreating and you're not really building and, and subduing the earth and exercising dominion, but you're satisfying those desires in a place that isn't real. Right. Right. And, and so you're now numb to those things. You feel like you're actually fulfilling those things, but you're fulfilling them in a fake way 
And then it keeps you kind of in that perpetual cycle where you're not going to go out and do the things uh, that it takes to be a man to get married. Um, and one of the other things in this conversation, this is good. This is not where I plan on the conversation going, but I, I love where it's going. <clears throat> this was a, a profound thing. I remember a guy told me this. Um, his name is Joe Fortino. And I remember him just sitting me down. He's an older guy. He's about 20 years older than me. He sits me down because I'm, you know, t- things before I got married and everything. And I'm thinking about like, man, you know, what a girl's like. And I'm thinking about, you know, trying to, and he just sits me down and he looks at me and he says, Brian, men or women are attracted to men. Uh-huh. I'm like, well, what do you mean? He goes, everyone wants to like, you know, shave their chest hair and do it. I mean, you know, what, all these other things are, you know, and he says, but at the, at the end of the day, women are attracted to men and there's certain attributes about men that women are just hardwired to find attractive. And our society has gone roughshod all over that. But what you really find you find a man who works hard and is proficient at a skill set and knowledgeable about a thing that will allow him to provide for a family. Uh-huh. Uh, and you see him and, and he loves God and he's, you know, got a mission in his life and he's going a certain direction. Women are going to want to be part of that mission and they want to follow them on that mission and help him because they're help meets by nature. They're going to want to help him in his mission. But we don't have men on a mission anymore that are proficient with skill sets that are, you know, doing those things. Men are now geared towards trying to be like white knights, trying to basically, you know, what can I do to please the woman and all this other thing? Well, the thing that they find attractive is a man that's on a mission who 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 has masculine attributes. That's what they find attractive. They don't find this yeah. white knight, soft man that's trying to do everything he can to please them attractive. They may marry that guy because they feel like they can manipulate him, but then their marriage, they're going to be miserable and they're going to be looking for a guy who actually has those things. No, I think that's... I, I think you just knocked that out of the park with that one. I think that's tremendously a home run. I think that's absolutely right. Uh, you know, men need to be men and women need to be women, yeah. right? Now, that doesn't mean that as men that we don't value women, that we don't that we don't highly value what they bring as women, what they are as a woman. Again, I would be talking about this as a Christian man, and I'll talk about this particularly as a Catholic Christian man. There's no question that we Catholics have a great respect for Mary, the mother of Christ. Yeah. Okay, we don't worship her. She's not God. She's a human. But we understand that of all men and women that were born, that she had she had the strength and the grace given to her by God as a woman to say yes, the great yes. Yeah, you know, she had the strength to to to, to birth her child, to birth her son, to raise her son to be with him as he walked that way of sorrow, as he yeah. carried that cross, and to be with him at the foot of the cross. And we recognize that it's a woman's strength in Mary that only Mary, only a woman could have done that. Yep. And, 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 and so as men, as conservative Christian, as men, I think we recognize the beauty and strength of women. We, they recognize the attributes that you and I will never have. Yeah. And, and that's where, you know, I'm just talking about hate mail. When you see a woman, and again, it's not to say, oh, women can't work or women can't. It's like, look, but to me, you know, I, I have a, my wife has a college degree. She was on track to be an executive at, you know, at the institution that she was working at. Um, incredible employee. But she came home to be with her family. Mm-hmm. And that was a huge financial sacrifice for us. Uh, it was hard for her because her whole life she pursued a career. And she just felt God laying it on her heart heavy that she needed to come home so that she could be a stay-at-home mom and she could raise the children that God had given us. And, um, I was not making a lot of money at the time. And so I was like, are you, are you sure God's telling you that? Cause I mean, you might just be here. I mean, it doesn't look good on the old accountant slab here, 
but um, you know, we we obeyed, and and she did, and you know, now we're about to have our seventh child, and I'm not Catholic. Um, and, there's al- there's always hope. Uh, yes, that's right. <laughs> so, um, but you know, praise and, God for that. By yeah, the way, and 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 she has come. She is so glorified and beautified our home by embracing God's design for her and what, you know, Rich Lusk, who's a pastor I've had on several times on the podcast, he calls gendered piety. Piety in a man looks a certain way. Piety in a woman looks a certain way. And she has embraced her female gendered piety and beautified our home and and is a a manager and keeper of the home and a mother. And uh, she's just, I mean, she's incredible. And and she beautifies her home. And and, and you come into our, our house and see... Wow, there's something different about this place, um, and it's because she has leaned into to her role, and she loves it, and she celebrates it. And and so not only are men derided as toxic, and masculinity is derided as toxic, stay-at-home moms are shamed. Oh, I can't believe you That's gave right. up all that stuff you worked for so that you could just go be a slave in the house. No, and I look at I look at for instance you, you reference you mentioned before my dad. My dad was his career was in the army. Yeah, very severely injured in Vietnam. Uh, and I look at my mother, and so my father was was first generation Italian American. His grandparents, my grandparents, his parents came from Italy, right? The military was his way; that was his career. That's how he was able to advance in life. My mother never finished high school. Uh, my mother was so wise, so strong. If you are the husband or wife of a warrior, you have to be strong because you have to take care of your family. And she did. She never worked outside the home. But I will tell you what, she had every bit the strength that my father had. She had every bit the wisdom. She had the heart of a lioness, right? Yeah. And just because she was a woman doesn't mean she was less strong. She's different. Different strong. Different strong. Yeah. But I love the way you talk about that gender piety. That's yeah. that's a great term. I'm going to have to yeah. use that. And I really do like that. Yeah, it's good. So um, a lot of different places we could go from here. <clears throat> do you have... Um, Kind of any thoughts on where we've been before we kind of shift gears? Yeah, I think it's, you know, I think that when you look at, again, you talk about the lies from the left, and let's talk about the gender thing, the lies from the left that that really there's no, there's really men and women are equal. Yeah. Well, men and women aren't equal. Yeah. Men and women are essentially the same. Uh, you know, that you can be, that, that gender is fluid. Yeah. Okay, that you can be a man one minute and a female the next. You can be a man or a woman, or you can be this, whatever they mean by non-binary. Those kind of lies from the left are incredibly damaging to our society. They're incredibly disrespectful to men and women. They are perhaps, you know, if they call Satan the father of lies, I don't know if that's his biggest lie that he's put out, but it's certainly one of the biggest that the father of lies has put out. Because think about what you do with that. If you are on the left and and you really believe and you want everybody to believe that men and women aren't different, well, what do you do? Well, you start you start spreading concepts like toxic masculinity. Yeah. Okay. And you say, well, that men are they're more they tend to be more or they're more aggressive and they held down women, or if they show signs of like wanting to be competitive and succeed in life, that's toxic masculinity. Yeah. Or if, or if they feel that they should be the providers for their family, that's toxic toxic masculinity. So they really try to browbeat people into into men, young men particularly, into not being the young men that they are to almost assuming a different gender role. So their goal is to narrow the differences between the gender to give the ultimate outcome they want, which is to say that men and women are equal and there's no difference and you can be a man, you can yeah. be a woman. It's it's insidious. It's I'm not going to say it's genius because it's corrupt, but it's insidious. But, it, but, it, but it's the it, but it's what is it's the lizard that eats its own tail and goes yeah. round and round. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, <clears throat> I've got a quote, C.S. Lewis. Uh, 
he says, in a sort of ghastly simplicity, we remove the organ and demand the function. We make men without chess and expect of them virtue and enterprise. We laugh at honor and are shocked to find traitors in our midst. We castrate and bid the geldings be fruitful. Yeah. He spotted this, you know, 80 years, 100 years ago or whatever it was. He saw this and he spotted this and he saw what was coming. I mean, if he was around now, I can't imagine what he would have to say with the nonsense of what's going on. But it's a weird thing in our society. We all we want the fruit without the root always. We want the apples without the orchards. We want the product without the process. That's something about our society that we live in. And uh, you see it in a lot of different ways, but specifically what C.S. Lewis is talking about here is we want a society that requires men and women. But again, the war is on men right now, and that's what we're talking about. We want a society that requires masculinity. We want the fruits of a society that has masculinity without the masculinity, right? We want the fruits that, okay. that a man brings to a society, which is you look around and you look at our architecture and you look at these skyscrapers and you look at these amazing things that were being built. There's a bunch of women out there building these skyscrapers. Was there maybe one on the crew here or there? Sure. Um, <clears throat> but we, you know, and that's, that's not even really the, the crux of it. We want, when you look at what happens uh, to a society where the fathers are removed from the families and you see the chaos that happens in neighborhoods that don't have fathers and the shootings and the killings and the robbery and the theft. Um, no one likes that. They're like, well, what's going on there? I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Well, maybe it's because there's no men there. No, well, it can't sure. be that men are the problem. So how can we make this problem? The men being the problem. And then they're like, Oh, well, the men left and well, yeah, the men did leave. But we, we want, we want the safety that men bring without the men. And so what we're doing and we're, and it's almost like a self suicide mission. We're shaving down all of the rough edges about men that make men because the fact that men have the propensity for violence is scary to our feminine society and so we want to emasculate and castrate our men at every right. turn. And so as we emasculate and castrate our men at every turn, um, what we're doing is we're making it so that they're not dangerous because they're dangerous and that scares me because men are inherently dangerous. Um, <clears throat> but what happens is that there's, a, and, and I think this is another C.S. Lewis um, piece from uh, the the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. We were reading that as, as a family um, the other day and there was a line and it wasn't in the movie cause we watched the movies a bunch. And then we read the book. I'm like, Oh, this wasn't in the movie. And, um, Susan is talking to Mr. Beaver and they're going to meet Aslan and Aslan's the great lion. Uh -huh. And Susan says, Mr. Beaver, is he safe? And, and Mr. Beaver replies safe. Who said anything about safe? Of course he ain't safe. He's a lion, but he's good. Yeah, he's good. And that's what matters. Men have the propensity of violence and being dangerous, but are they good? And if they're good, then they're going to channel that propensity for danger and violence to protecting. And if we sand down all the rough edges of men and we castrate and emasculate men to where they no longer have that propensity, the only people that are going to have the propensity for violence are bad men. Bad men. And then when there's bad men with wicked intentions, with the propensity of violence, and then there's no good men with that over here to stop them, then they're going to run roughshod over us. Well, they will, and you, you're right. If society wants, if society wants masculinity without the rough edges, that's absolutely insane. And yeah. you think about this. You think about the about about individuals that we've truly honored. Again, talking about men throughout history, certainly our Lord and our Savior, for you and me, yeah. Jesus Christ. 
someone, some people want to paint a pink Jesus. I like to yeah. say, oh, he was all unicorns and yeah. butterflies. He was this. Hair let's like face it, girl. exactly. He he had a strong arm and a strong back. He drove the money changers out of Montgomery. Oh, I'm sorry. He yeah. drove the money changers <laughs> out of the temple. <laughs> oh, that was a mistake. Yeah. No, he drove the money changers out of the temple. He took those cords and he and he made a whip and he drove them out of the temple. He was strong of arm and strong of back and strong of mind. But he was good and he loved. You look at bring in our for our Jewish brothers and sisters. If you bring in Joshua or if you bring in Moses, strong men who knew they had a fight that they had to fight, but they were good men. Uh-huh. So just because one is strong, just because one can harness violence, that's not a bad thing. Yeah. I mean, let's face it. I'm glad there was a whole lot of violence that was harnessed by the greatest generation yeah. and 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 did what they did to Adolf Hitler and his regime. Yeah. So to sit there and say that you want to to disparage these traits that men can have, it absolutely doesn't make sense. And I think, you know, I think the greatest assault, one of the greatest assaults on masculinity now is the whole transgender phenomenon, particularly in kids. Now, I'm going to say right off the bat, as a men's health specialist, I have had men come to me who felt that they had, who had gender dysphoria. They were unhappy in the gender. Adult men who came wanted to be treated. I do not treat that. I, do, I think it is a real, I think is it a real illness. Yeah. It is a psychiatric illness. Those men and women who have that, adults, they need, they need compassion, they need love, they need counseling. Yeah. I don't think you need to be lopping off body parts or giving hormones. That in no way changes someone's yeah. gender. Gender dysphoria is real. Now, I don't treat that. Like I said, I have these adults, I didn't treat them. I said, I don't do that. The real assault on manhood, I think, is the transgender phenomenon in in kids, particularly in young girls. The numbers have risen in by hundreds and thousands of percentage points over the last decade of little girls who now consider themselves transgender. And of course, what does the left want to do? They want to, they don't want to treat the disease, which would require counseling. They want to affirm the child's agenda. That's like saying, I have, I have breast cancer. I'm going to affirm that <laughs> breast cancer and yep, yeah. you got it. I'm not going to do anything else. You don't affirm gender. What you do is you treat the child. But if you can take these little girls and you can start lopping off their breasts and you can start giving them hormones to turn them into boys, well, you've produced the kind of boy that you mm. want. That's it. That is that is an assault on manhood. It's a tragedy what they're doing to kids. And I'm very proud of our state legislature, our state senators, and our state representatives, and our governor for signing in you know, the Child Protection Act, where yeah. we don't have that now. The the and this is could be another subject. The problem is I referenced the Equality Act, if in in, in before Congress, if the Equality Act passes, yeah. if Chuck Schumer can get the senators he needs to vote, Biden said he will sign it. Supremacy clause in the Constitution. You will you you will see it then because gender identity becomes a protected class. These people will they will be treated yeah. by federal law. Now, what do you have to do? Go through the courts, get it through the Supreme Court. But that's a process. So the point is, I think transitioning these little girls, convincing them, telling them the lie that they are boys, and turning them into the kind of boys that the left wants, which are really emasculated yeah. feminists, that's an assault on manhood. Yeah, and the other way around too, I think, is the you know, the woman of the year, that's a man, that's an assault on all these women, you know, and, and, you know, you see how hard women have worked to be able to have, you know, female sports and, you know, college sports and all this stuff for women. And, um, and then a a guy comes in, you know, with his, no, it's, it's absolutely, I mean, it's, it's atrocious. And that's an assault on womanhood. That's what I mean. So I was kind of, you're right. It is. So there's that. And I think the other thing that's really interesting too, about the whole, um, gay identity, trans identity thing, 
kids do what they think is cool. And I think it's our job as parents to calibrate what, what kids think are cool. So if you have like knobs that you're calibrating, that's kind of what I'm doing with my hands here. But um, you you need to calibrate what kids think are cool. And a, and a father is in a unique position to be able to do that with his kids. What a father thinks is cool is what his kids are going to think is cool. Or if a father is abdicating and he's not in enough, uh, spending enough time with his kids and, and giving enough influence to the kids, then then the, the, the son or the daughter is going to go around the people that they're around the most to figure out what they think is cool. And so you send your, you know, you send your kids off to these you know government schools where, you know, I talked to a, a, a kid that is in public schools kind of down where I'm from and he's in public school. He, I guess he's like 14 or 15 now. He's like, man, I'm sitting in class and I've got a girl in front of me that identifies as a boy. This is in a rural high school girl in front of me is identifies as a boy, a lesbian on my left and a guy that thinks he's gay on my right. Yeah. That And, and it's like, whoa, you know? And so what's happening and this is my assessment of it is so say you're a boy you're not good at football maybe you're not that good looking maybe you're not good at some of these things that that people find cool are you talking about me i'm sorry <laughs> so um you're not good looking you don't have um, athletic ability you don't have any of these things that maybe would make you cool or you're not funny or whatever and so you're trying to fit in and the only thing that you can do to fit in because it's the it's the cool fad right now is to say that you're gay and so you're like, you know what? I'm gay. And then you I, you identify as being gay. And then all, all of a sudden you get all this, you know, love and affection. Oh, you're so courageous to come out of the closet and say that you're this. And they're not even really that. But they wanted to do something to get attention because they didn't have anything else to offer, they felt like. And then what eventually happens is, you know, there's all these people pretending to be gay because that's what makes them cool. And and so we, we've, we've created this kind of weird culture. And I mean... I'm one of those people who thinks that the, the public school system is too far gone. Uh, I know ever there's differences and differences in opinions on that. That's fine. I'm, I'm willing to have those conversations with people. But, you know, when you're sending your kid into a, an environment for eight hours a day where that's going on, you know, like ad nauseum. Sure. And then the only time you get to see your kid is in carpool on the way to school and on the way back from school in between football practice and when they're, you know, at home playing on their phones or whatever, and, and as, which is kind of what we resorted to. Um, it's bad. And then this is a point I made on the radio today too. And I, and I've made it on the podcast before the reason that this matters. And it's the, it's the father's job to hand down the traditions and it happens within the family. The mother plays a part, but it's, it's our responsibility to be making sure that our children are, are conservative Christians and that we're handing down our traditions and values to our children through a process called Paideia, which is in the Bible. And it says, train your children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. It's saying that, but it's the enculturation of your children handing down the faith to your children to make sure that your children and grandchildren honor Yahweh as God. Right. And then, and it's this process. Anyway, that's a whole nother thing. But what, what we're doing right now, liberals are having 0.8 children per family unit. They don't really even have families, but per couple, per whatever they measure theirs, they're having about 0.8. Okay. So they're not, they're not replacing. Yeah. Conservative Christian families are like 2.1 to 2.3, depending on the study. So they're actually, they are replacing. And you think, but wait, you combine two those or two point one is really a low number. It's very low it, historically, yes. especially to a Catholic and a guy with seven yeah. kids, right? So, <laughs> so, um, so with the two point one or two point three, and then you combine their point eight. So overall, we're we're as a human race or like you know reproducing at like one point seven or one point eight or whatever it is. How it averages out, it may even be lower than that. But point being, conservative Christians are 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 reproducing at the rate to. For us to be growing and liberals are should be 
you know, dying off because they're not reproducing. But what's weird is that liberals are, their movement is growing and ours is shrinking. And so that means that they're stealing our children. Well, that's a good, that's a good point. I mean, I wrote, I, I shot a little video yesterday for my, for my, a podcast for my website. And I was talking about the, this student loan forgiveness that the president is pushing yeah. out. Right. And I think there's a whole lot that's wrong with that. And, and there's a whole lot of agenda with that. Part of the agenda is to get the left wants more and more individuals to be dependent upon government. Yeah. But I think you, I think there's also another agenda. Part of the agenda is, listen, we want to make it easier. We want to make it easier and encourage young men and women to go to these colleges because yeah. we've already co-opted these colleges. Yeah. We've already corrupted them. We have the, we have the anti-American socialist yeah. and really anti-Christian agenda. We want to get as many kids into college as we can. So let's make it easier, forgive debt, do whatever we can. Yeah. It's a boondoggle, yeah. but it, but the, but there's a, there's an agenda there that's maybe even below the surface. Try to get kids to go to college because they know that's where they get their hooks into. Yeah. Multifaceted, and they also want to buy some votes coming into the midterms here. Hundred percent, yeah, terrible percent. It was funny, and and I'll I'll I want to end with another thought, but I'm going to say one other thought. I said it on I was on Joey Clark's show and probably made some not friends. Good, um, but well, usually the people listening to Joey Clark are all friends. But it's interesting the the amount of conservative rage that came out over over the the student loan mm-hmm. thing. Like they gave like ten thousand dollars to a, you know a few people. I think the total you know bill, tab for that was like three hundred million dollars. Actually, what I heard coming over listening to the news is that they're projecting now five hundred billion. Five hundred billion. Yeah. So it was always the, the initial the initial projection was three hundred billion, but now it looks like it's going to be upwards of five hundred billion. Billion or million? No, I think this is with a B. Huh. So that we can double check it because yeah. I because I double checked it myself. Going, I think it's with a B because remember <laughs> what, what what Biden and crew and Mansion said was in the whole what they call it the Inflation Reduction Act, whatever yeah. that they were going to automatically be lowering you know lowering inflation and lowering deficit by I think three hundred billion dollars. It's going to be three hundred okay. billion savings. This wipes that out. Interesting. Well, over that whole thing, so I guess when when and that does change the tune a little bit if if those numbers are accurate. But the amount of rage that came out over them giving $10,000 to people for student loans and people are like, well, I paid my student loan off. And then, you you know, you got the boomers that are like, I paid my $7,500 student loan off. It's like, well, mine's a million, you know, whatever. Yeah. But um, the the rage that happened over that, and, and I'm, I've kind of rethought my stance on it. I'm actually glad that they did that because now there's a whole bunch of people who maybe haven't quite paid attention of how terrible our federal government is that are now hyper-focused on it because of this. Because at first I was like, look, guys, y'all are getting outraged over them spending $10,000 on some people to buy some votes before the midterm. Well, meanwhile, you know, look at what happened with the COVID virus. I mean, they told us it was from a bat in a wet market when they knew darn well it was created in a bioweapons lab in Wuhan, China, and released, you know, accidental or intentional, I don't know. You know, and then, you know, then they come in and you've got early treatment that that's, could potentially be saving people's lives. And then they're doing a full-blown media campaign to make sure right. that 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 um, that that's being suppressed. And in the suppressing of early treatment, who knows how many people died that didn't have to. Also, that these people over here can, you know, I guess, presumably make money. I don't know what the intention was, but it didn't. It's not a good it's not a good look. So that's our federal government or our federal government's letting illegals pour over the border right now. Um, we're, and then we're busing and planning them to all manner of every state all over the country. And then we're housing them, uh, feeding them and providing them health care. No one's up in arms about that, but like they paid off some student loans and everyone's like on Facebook, ah, you yeah, know, well, raging. It's, and it's like, 
So at first I was like, hey, guys, your rage is a little bit disproportionate to the offense. I mean, I'm glad you're mad at the government. Anytime someone's mad at the federal government, hoorah. But but man, you guys should see this other stuff they're doing because it's really bad. Um, but now I'm kind of like, no, well, wait a second. If this is what it took for them to, to start to pay attention, then I'm kind of glad it happened. Yeah. No, I think there's something to that. And I think we, we've certainly seen that with the whole COVID debacle because now how much more are parents aware of what's going on in their schools yeah. because of this? How much more aware? You know, now you've, the, the Democrats have had to, you know, pass this Biden, you know, signs an executive order or whatever about the, about the student loan kind of thing, but it focuses us. Uh, so, yeah, I think people in general are a lot more aware. And I hopefully were more aware in Alabama at this because I mentioned about our fact that we protect our children from, from, from you know, being gender transitioned, yeah. right? But all it takes is a vote in Washington and, you know, we're not protected in Alabama anymore. And I think people in Alabama have to understand that, yes, we are in general a conservative state, although not as conservative as some people like to say, not as conservative as some people like to think. And certainly some of the individuals who call themselves conservative are not conservative at yeah. best. But we aren't protected in Alabama. It's a great place to be, but we have to always be vigilant. We have to always fight that conservative fight. And we have to realize that, yes, the fight has to go on local, but we've got to fight the fight in Washington as yeah. well. And that's where, again, you know, well, with the abortion issue before before the Dobbs decision, we had our law on the books that was then, you know, super, I mean, that was then, uh, you know, the injunction placed by a federal judge. We couldn't do anything because of what was there in Washington. And so well, Washington, and we, we, we could have done a lot of things, but we didn't. And we use that as an excuse because we're cowards, right? That That's really what it boils down to. If we had uh, Ron DeSantis as our governor and we had a bunch of sheriffs that were like this guy, Jared Hudson, that's about to run, mm -hmm. we wouldn't have to worry about D.C. It would just be an afterthought. Someone would talk about what Joe Biden's doing. They would just yawn and go back to living their wonderful lives. But we don't. Our sheriffs don't understand the, the, the constitutional role of a sheriff. Mm -hmm. Our governor is what she is. And so instead, we're we're hooked up, you know, to the the government teat wholesale. Yeah. And so now everything that in D, every ripple in D.C. we feel is a is a tsunami wave here because rather than being a sovereign state that stands on our own two feet, um, we're so dependent upon what happens in D.C. that every every ripple that happens there is a tsunami when it gets to us. But there is a thing called the doctrine of the lesser magistrate, which is where your sheriffs, your governors, your anyone who's downstream on that kind of hierarchical list says, hey. Actually, based off our Constitution and the Word of God, I can't enforce this. I'm not okay with this. You know, oh, you you need to wear your mask, or you you have to be out after curfew, or all this, all the all the the 1984 stuff that Scott Harrison K. Ivy did to us in the COVID thing, and then she's acting. You know, she's like, oh, I don't even. The forest forest masking's not even in my vocabulary. Well, she's a and high like, she's well, a high stepper. Yeah, forget that. And she she literally just said that the that. that Forced masking isn't in her vocabulary. And it's like, you forced us to wear masks in an executive order. Anyway, but point being, all of those things would not matter if all the sheriffs were like, well, we're not going to enforce that. Right? Yeah, and, that's a good point. And so that's why we need to be thinking local is if you live in a county with an awesome sheriff who understands his constitutional duty to protect the citizens from federal overreach, and then we have a governor that's like Ron DeSantis and we start to get legislators that reflect the people. Cause I'll push back on one thing you said that we don't think we're as conservative as, as we might think. My pushback is this. You can tell how conservative a population is not based off the, who they elect, but based off the message, the people that got elected used to get elected. So let me, so let me, good point. Let's put it this way. 
are certainly our legislature no, and the governor's mansion are not as conservative as no. they want you to think they are. That is absolutely 100% because I hear it often. They're like, well, maybe Alabama is not as conservative as you think you are. I'm like, well, that's weird because all the commercials are people toting guns with their yeah. Bibles and Jesus and Donald Trump and everything else. And it's like, okay, if that's the message it takes to get elected, that means that the There's people to it. value yeah. those things. Yeah. And so the people are the most conservative in the country. The legislature is not. And so I think the solution for a free and flourishing Alabama where we started is getting a legislature that actually ref- a legislature and someone in the governor's mansion that actually reflects the people. So rather than them lying to us every four years to get elected, to go down there and just act like a Democrat, actually getting people, this I know this is near and dear to your heart. Yes, it is. Um, that, that, that reflect the values of the people. But we are up against the end of the podcast on timing. Uh, you got any last thoughts? Uh, well, number one, thanks for letting me come on. Yeah. Number two, very quickly, you mentioned Jared Hudson. Yeah. Uh, my wife and I are going to be having a, uh, a meet and greet event for Jared Hudson on the 13th of next month. I'll get you information because we okay. want everybody to come. We'll get you information. The other thing is, got to continue to fight that good fight. We have to continue to fight as men. Yeah. We have to continue, continue to fight as men of faith and belief and strength and fight along with our sisters of, of, of strength and belief because yeah. and and the battle does not end. That's right. And fight with joy in our hearts. That's right. The warrior poets. I like it. Awesome. All right, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, great for you guys have stuck around. And, and as always, put your trust in God and keep your powder dry. Amen. Amen.